Magic Club. Together, we'll discover inspirational stories of creative entrepreneurs living out their dreams, doing the work they are most passionate about, and building wealth in magical and fun ways. While building a six-figure income as a writer and coach, helping other women to launch their dream businesses, I've connected with so many incredible people and seen it proven again and again that you can thrive financially doing whatever it is you are passionate about. I'm here to share life-changing strategies for mindset, making money, and reaching more people with your work in a business and life filled with creativity, freedom, and fun. Hi everyone, welcome to this week's episode. I'm super excited to introduce my amazing guest, Jennifer Brick, who helps ambitious, aspiring leaders elevate and accelerate their careers. After more than a decade in tech, mostly in senior and executive roles, she discovered her passion for helping others rise and left her corporate role to dedicate her full-time focus on helping others have their career glow up. She has also successfully grown her YouTube channel to over 16,000 people, sharing content that helps others navigate career obstacles and company politics. Hi, Jennifer. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Sarah. Thank you so much for having me. So, I'm so excited to talk to Jennifer. She is amazing. We go way back. We met when I was a coach in a program that she was a part of and where she quickly rose to become one of the coaches that we were copy coaches together um, because she's so amazing at content, which she has proven since by going on to, it's just been so fun watching her YouTube channel explode because of all of the incredible content that she's been making. And now we're biz besties um, together in New York. So I'm really excited to introduce you to her and her amazing work. Um, So why don't we kick this conversation off Jennifer, with you telling us a little bit about how you got to doing this work that you do today. Yeah, so it was um, it was a long process for me. So I always, even early in my career, I worked corporate jobs for more than 12 years, but I always knew I was an entrepreneur, but I wanted to learn how to be an entrepreneur on someone else's dime. So <laughs> that is why I kind of ended up with this career and I did the traditional career ladder climbing thing. And then At some point, it just, I was really, you can only do that for so long when in your heart you're an entrepreneur. That's my opinion. And I was just tired of building businesses for other people. And I was really ready to set out and build my own, which brought me to the question mark of what business to actually build. Because also like any entrepreneur, you know, you have like a million ideas and different things you want to do. I was like, so that person, (laughs) wanting to run in 20 different directions. Um, And that's actually when I started working with Sarah. And Sarah was super helpful in the program that I was in where she was my copy coach and helping me clarify exactly what impact I wanted to have and what I actually wanted to do, which was actually career success coaching. Um, So it was a a strange path to walk to get here, but I'm super stoked to be where I am right now. Yeah. And I'm so, I just love the content that you're putting out and you're really speaking to you know, a lot of experiences that a lot of people are having um, that I imagine there's not that much support around within, you know, like a company environment, um, which is the cool thing about the work that you do and being able to be outside of that, but still being able to support people through a journey that you know so deeply because you've walked that path. Um, And I think, you know, there's a lot more 
a lot more women stepping outside of corporate because of the challenges that they faced within that and then yeah. you know bringing that that the freedom that entrepreneurship brings to yeah. be able to start to shift that culture um so I'm interested to hear like because obviously it's like it must be so difficult to shift the culture from within the culture it totally depends on the company that you're in I think it depends on the leadership like on the career side choosing the CEO that you're going to work for is really important because a good CEO is going to make or break your experience for you because no matter how hard you kind of work to improve the situation and to help other women rise in the workplace, if there's other people that aren't totally bought into that vision or if there's kind of the one kind of persona, I'll, I'll put it as to like speak in marketing terms. There's one persona that is going to be the successful persona, which we see in a lot of companies. That's hard to shift when other people have just accepted that as the reality. Um, because if there's one thing that business is like, and especially coming from like tech startups, we love to invest in things that are similar. There's like the proven formula and deviating outside actually takes you outside of that proven formula, which is just like a scary thing for founders and executives and leaders. So it's, it's really a balancing act. And it's also why I'm so excited to see more women actually going out and founding companies, even though they have, you know, obstacles to do it. And there's so many different pathways to do that. But when you become that successful model, as an entrepreneur, it makes it easier for other companies to say, okay, this also works. And what are some of um, like the biggest culture shifts that you're most excited to support people to achieve? So I think like the biggest shift that I'm really excited to help people achieve is actually an internal one. So the thing that I never say in any of my marketing, but it's actually the thing that I feel like I do best is helping people discover their inner awesomeness and getting really, really confident in that. I think, you know, no matter what path you're taking, if you're climbing a career ladder or you're starting, like you're building your own company, there's a lot of expectations around us. And there's a lot of things that we think we should be and we think we should be doing. And, you know, again, like going back to that vision of what success looks like, it doesn't look like all of us. But when we can get into ourselves and figure out who we really are, our power, and the value that we're bringing to the table, that completely shifts the interactions that we're having and how we're really framing ourselves at the company that we're working with. And like, what is your vision for the future that you kind of like imagine some of the big shifts that we'll start to see as more and more women um, step into that? I really just want to see more diversity and inclusion across the board. And what's been really interesting, especially as my company has established and as I've kind of grown and developed as a coach, has been that a lot of my clients are actually men, which I did not expect. It surprised me because a lot of the challenges that I speak to, I thought were very female centric in terms of not being seen, not being validated and not fitting that model of success. But really it's not just women that are being left behind. It's people of all gender identities across the spectrum. And what I would really love to see is just the focus on the leadership qualities that really statistically and research speaking, make 
companies more successful. So things like empathy, understanding, compassion, those are things that we actually can see in the research showing that that's what builds more profitable companies. It's not like the big alpha male sitting on top, um, power flexing at all. Like that's the opposite. So I hope that more companies begin to see that and that we start to invest you know, in development, in mentorship, and just in terms of like reorganizing corporate structures to reflect that reality. I love it. I literally just um, did a live on my Instagram on how feeling my feelings was my number one business strategy. (laughs) If we don't, they're either controlling us or they're, or we're not listening to where they're trying to point us, which is, um, you know, always the better place for us to be moving. And I know it's a very, um, unpopular marketing message because like, <laughs> trying to um, convince people to feel their feelings. I know for me, you know, I was there and, and um, didn't want to do it oh <laughs> at all costs. When, well, when you met me, I distinctly remember describing myself as having the emotional maturity of a five-year-old. <laughs> like I remember being that person and I still don't think that I've progressed like so far. But I think like, understanding who we are and the values that we really want to live by and, you know, accepting where we feel frustrated or where we feel disappointed. But then also on the other side, where we feel proud is something that a lot of us don't feel like we have the permission to do. And we've kind of been trained out of doing it, haven't we? Yeah. I mean, it's just being human. Like, why is being human (laughs) such a novel idea? (laughs) Like, oh, to enjoy our lives more and get better outcomes, we need to be all of our humanness. Like, hmm? <laughs> why is this so hard for us? Um, but yeah, I think just the, the conversation of empathy is such a big one, particularly, you know, around these ideas of like professionalism and, um, you know, like keeping it together and like <laughs> creating an image of success yeah. and, and really controlling the way that people perceive us. And, you know, this is... Um, well, this is feminism, right? It's just the ability to have softness and vulnerability for both of the sexes, yes. recognizing that these are very important parts of being human that do bring us a lot of benefit. They are not weakness. They are not parts of ourselves that we should try and sever ourselves from. Um, and that begins with our relationship with ourselves, right? Oh, 100%. And I mean, personally, my opinion, there is so much more strength in vulnerability. And especially like as an entrepreneur and an entrepreneur that often shares, like I share my own story about grief, about how I'm hiding from doing my job. (laughs) And that's where people actually get to connect with you. And that's where they actually get to know you. And if you're an entrepreneur, ultimately you're a leader that you want people to see your vision and you have to resonate with them for them to want to work with you. Yeah. I love this conversation. So what is like the message that you're the most passionate about sharing with people at the moment? So the thing that I'm really excited about lately is I I call it unique awesomeness quotient. So it's like, if you're coming from like sales and marketing, unique sales value or like unique 
market value or whatever it's called. I can't remember the term, of course, now yeah, that yeah. we're chatting live. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I won't subject you to Googling it. <laughs> sales proposition. US- yes, USP. Um, so it's kind of like that, but I feel like USP is very situational. Like you're just trying to transact, whereas Unique Awesomeness Quotient, UAQ, is really about your essence and your personal brand. So it boils down into three different things. What are the things that you are naturally very talented at without having to put any effort into it? You are just exceptional. The second criteria is the things that people already know you for. So what are the questions that people are already coming to you and asking you about when someone needs help with something? Like what are they, what are those questions that you keep on seeing coming up again and again? And then the third thing is one that strangely and kind of going back to the whole having fun thing, what are you actually like doing? Because just because you're good at something and just because people ask you about it doesn't mean that it's what you actually want to do with your career or your business or whatever it is. But the more clarity that you get into what those things are, where they overlap, then you figure out where you can actually focus and what actually makes you special and unique and differentiates you from all other 7 billion people on the face of the planet. I love it. It's so good. Um, me and Albor, as my partner, have a running joke because he talks about how his zone of genius is janitorial skills. And that's not something that he's interested <laughs> in pursuing in his life. And I was like, maybe, maybe one time at the end of your life, you'll be like the janitor of like the school you founded or something. And it'll be like your dharma and your like, you know, your, your, serve, your meditative service. And that will be where you find your bliss. <laughs> Like, I love that point though, because like sometimes it's like, okay, this is something that I can monetize on and I can focus right now. But then there's also the, can I do it in the future? Is there a path to do that at a different phase in my life where other things are important? Because of course, like your actual goals for your job or for your business are really important. But also like not everything is monetizable. Like I love eating ice cream. <laughs> but any path to me monetizing that would not be a joyful path for me. Like it just, I don't want to have an ice cream shop. I don't want to be an ice cream maker. I mean, being an ice cream tester would probably be okay. But even then, like there would be other detriments that would probably counterbalance the joy. So like, (laughs) we also have to take those things into consideration. Um, You know, and when you talk about like, it's kind of like the adage of following your passion. Like, what are you really passionate about? Just because you're passionate about something doesn't mean that it's what you're supposed to do every single day. And if it's a thing that you do every single day, sometimes it's going to make you hate it. Yeah. And I think um, an important part of this conversation too is removing your hangups because sometimes we don't see where that sweet spot is because we don't give ourselves permission because we're like, oh, that would be too easy or that would be too fun. Right. you know, and we have all this resistance around it. So we're like, no, I'm just going to keep like borrowing over here on in the the hard work oh path. And which is why it's so, so helpful to be working with a coach when you're, you know, establishing yes. a new direction or you're pivoting, oh have somebody gosh. who can help you reflect on yourself and, um, you know, point out like, no, you're really good at this. Like you're really, <laughs> right. very easy for you to succeed in, in this area. And, you know, I've had those moments with my own coaches and been like, yeah, like what, you know, I didn't know what was going on within me as to why I was resisting a certain direction so much. And I, my, I was very clouded and really like attached to this other direction. And yes. you finally listen to people, you're like, oh, this is way easier. <laughs> I wish no, I was sooner. 
we totally get like the thing that we're supposed to do, like stuck in our head. And I can tell you like a million times over the past like 15 years that this has happened to me anywhere from like going into software training, which I didn't realize was a job. Like <laughs> never occurred to me. It was just a thing that I did for fun. And even like career coaching, like I always just loved helping people with their career. Didn't really realize that it could be an entire business. Like and those things, and even like now in my business, like I like doing YouTube. I didn't really understand that there was a business side to YouTube as well. And like these things, like they end up kind of clicking together. <laughs> yeah, it's really just that one step at a time thing, following what feels good, even if it doesn't completely make sense. Yeah. Learning to trust yourself and having enough people around you that support you to yeah. always trust yourself. You're yes. Way. No, and the third party, like... Especially like, it's one thing to have like friends and family, but the thing is friends and family are trying to protect you. So a few of my friends and family were like, yeah, you should definitely go and start a business and like walk away from like your senior level role or executive level role. Like pretty much no one said that other than like my husband was supportive. But a coach or like a third part, like someone that is in your life and cares about you, but isn't necessarily like they're aware of a difference between keeping you safe and keeping you happy if that makes any sense and that third party objector who sees the possibilities that other people like don't see <laughs> because working with a coach like they've done this before and they have seen how people have succeeded doing the thing that you don't think is possible yeah it's so important it's so important because I think when you don't have that, then you risk run the risk of running hard in maybe the not right direction and it not working out and getting burnt or, you know, using up your resources, either like mental, physical or like financial. Mm -hmm. um, or all of them. <laughs> and all of them, yeah. And um, it's so important to not get traumatized by going after something that's really meaningful and important to you. And it's so important to yeah. be coming from that place of self-trust and to give ourselves the support yeah. all the way. Yeah. So um, what is it that, like, what are some of the top roadblocks or struggles or challenges that, um, that you see coming up in your clients over and over that you love supporting them through? So the main thing that I work with my clients on is the kind of conflict at work. So my degree was actually in criminology. So I kind of understand the world through a lens of deviance, which sounds really strange, but it also helps me see like where dysfunction is happening and the underlying reasons why it happens. And, you know, just like figuring out what you want to do, having a third party who is familiar with the situations in general, but then also isn't so closely connected that they're not going to get emotionally, <laughs> like get emotional about it. Um, that has been where I've worked with the most people lately. Um, you know, it's, I was surprised at the level of per pervasiveness with workplace dysfunction, honestly. Like I did a survey on LinkedIn and it's not empirical or anything like that, but 99% of the respondents said that they had been in a toxic workplace, either currently or 
previously. So I didn't ask for which one because no one necessarily wants to advertise. Their current company is terrible. Uh, but the scale of the problem is actually quite big. And those work stressors are not stressors that we leave at the door. Like we bring those home. We complain when we make dinner. They keep us up at night. They wake us up in the middle of the night and they cause us all sorts of stress and like really impact our like whole well-being. Um, what do you think are like the main causes or like the areas that are most needing transformation? That's a tough one. You know, I think like circling it back to empathy, I think that there is a lot of, the way that the corporate structure has been made has been generally competitive. Like obviously like we live in a capitalist economy and I'm pro-capitalism, but how that has shown up at some companies is that, you know, people throw each other under the bus. And I think like, it's just, I just actually here, here's the best way to put it. I just finished reading Simon Sinek's book, The Infinite Game. And he talks about finite mindset, which is like, there is this ladder and you can climb this ladder this way. And this is how companies are run. And this is the only way to do it versus infinite, which is abundance, unlimited possibilities that we can't even see yet. And I think so many companies are still in that finite mindset where they only know what they see right now and what already exists, as opposed to innovating the future of the workforce and how workplaces can really be. Yeah. So it's like, it's empathy and creativity. Yes. I feel like that's really where, like, as humanity, we're being called to step into um, and self-responsibility too. Yes. So I was just thinking, you know, like, do you believe that change is possible from the level of, you know, like the employees or does it always have to come from, from leadership in, the, in these instances, do you think? I think ultimately change is a collaborative effort. I think that in general, it has to start at the top. It doesn't have to necessarily be like the one top executive, but you have to have sufficient buy-in because otherwise you have this lopsided dynamic. It's much easier when it starts at leadership. So it kind of depends on the influence that can happen. Um, but no one person changes the world. It's numerous people acting somewhat in unison um, towards a shared vision that actually makes that happen. Yeah, and spending less time glued to our devices and more times in our bodies where the humanness is happening. Yes. <laughs> no, and like, especially like, I feel like right now, Obviously, workplaces are predominantly remote. It's so it it's an extra level of depersonalization when mm. we're just on Zoom and on Slack. And there's no coming togetherness, which I know a lot of people like has been one of the chief complaints of people that I speak with is they miss being in office, they miss actually seeing people. Yeah, well, hopefully not for too much longer. <laughs> and yeah, I wonder if many things will change as, you know, coming back or if everything will just like go back into the old groove of how we were before. I'm really curious to see how that plays out. I think like more flexibility will become standard, but I think even a lot of the companies that are, you know, oh, we're only remote now and things like that. I, I still think that that will shift because I think still as humans, we like to be around each other. Even if you're like a hardcore introvert like me, you still actually need to be around other people occasionally. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I learned that lesson from being in a online a nomad for five years and <laughs> yeah, being in my laptop for a long time. Like, 
a few periods. And, and I, because I feel like I do connect with people, I connect with people very deeply over Zoom. And I think that's because yeah. I'm so um, empathetic and sensitive and just the nature of the work that I'm doing. Yeah. So it kind of, it feels like I'm getting fulfillment in many ways. But then, I, yeah, I noticed when I, like when I came back to like one of my, you know, main communities and I got to be in a room with like a lot of people that I loved and my body was just like, oh, I'm feeling yes. so amazing. And I was like, wow, this is what I was missing. When, Absolutely. When I wasn't giving that to myself. Um. So yeah, amazing. Thank you so much. Um, for coming and sharing all of your wisdom with us today. Where can people um, find out more about you and your work? Um, so you mentioned I am on YouTube. That's kind of where I live for the most part. So if you just look up Jennifer Brick, you will find me. Um, and if you're curious about what I do, and especially in terms of like career confidence and stuff like that, glowupyourcareer.com would be the go-to website. Amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Sarah. You're welcome. Thanks everyone for watching. Bye. For more inspirational content, head over to my website withsarahmack.com and please support the show by liking, commenting and subscribing.